So I run a podcast sometimes uh, with some friends of mine. Uh, and the, the format of that podcast is that we'll bring a topic, uh, you know, to discuss. The other, the other two won't know what that topic is, and then we just kind of chat about it a little bit. Um, and one time the topic was thought uh, and, and kind of how our thoughts come, in, come to be. And, and what we do with them and, and things like that. And, and one of the three people uh, on the podcast we learned does not have an inner dialogue. And it kind of shocked the other two, uh, myself included, you know, because we very much have this ongoing inner dialogue or monologue that we have to compete against sometimes. So it was fascinating to hear that there are people who don't have, you know, that sort of running commentary uh, in, in their minds. Uh, and if you are one of those people, um, this, <laughs> this this Dharma talk may not feel um, quite as applicable. Uh, but for the the rest of you, and I imagine most of you, kind of have that inner dialogue. Um, I wanted to talk a bit about, about that uh, and what that sometimes can be and, and how we can work with that at times. Um, because that inner voice isn't always helpful, right? That inner voice can be kind of confusing and send us conflicting messages. Um, I know my internal dialogue, um, and that's actually what, what made me think about this as a, as a subject for this Dharma talk. Um, you know, I was, I was at my kitchen sink doing dishes, and I just, you know, you hear all of these kind of thoughts come to you around like, oh, like, you know, that other chore you have to do today, you can do that tomorrow, that's fine. You know, rationalizing that, or like, you know, things feel pretty good now. I wonder when something's going to come along that's going to, you know, make it difficult. When things are going to break bad, right? You know, or you're maybe you're you're snacking on something and it's just like you can eat a little bit more, right? So you have that voice in your head. And, and over the years, people, I, I feel, have come to interpret that voice um, as the devil, right? It's the devil that's tempting me to be lazy and put that chore off. It's the devil that's tempting me to, to eat a little bit more or to do that thing or telling me that everything is, is not going to be okay, right? And we even have that popular image of the devil and the angel on our shoulders, right? Where the angel is saying like, hey, you know, do this good thing. And the devil's saying like, oh no, do the bad thing. Take the bad choice, right? You know, take that cookie, steal that candy bar, keep the wallet that you found with the money in it, right? And it's tempting to think that way, that there's a devil out there on our shoulder, outside our head, that's, that's driving us to make choices which maybe aren't always wise or skillful or kind, because it allows us to create a, an enemy that we can fight against, right? Put up our guard and, and keep that enemy at bay, keep that devil away from us, right? Classic narrative, good versus evil, light versus a dark. And, and by doing that, though, we split ourselves right because those voices are our voices but we split ourselves we want to keep the good parts of ourself and we want to avoid or suppress the bad parts of ourself put it on our shoulders so we can knock it away right and that kind of you know othering that we do it just dumps thoughts um into a a sort of shadowy space i want to talk about the shadow a bit and like i said we split ourselves into two now, the, the shadow, you may have heard us talk about the shadow before, um, because 
the shadow is an aspect of of Jungian psychology and his um, understanding of the psyche. And we use the concept of the shadow um, because of of Jung uh, in one of our uh, mindfulness models, right? The transpersonal model, which you know, where we have the the ego or the 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 psyche uh, represented by concentric circles, you know, ego on the outside, anima, shadow, and true self uh, at the the very inside, um, and the shadow classically is a part of ourselves that we're not willing to accept or integrate, acknowledge, right? Willing or able to, to accept and acknowledge. And we don't accept certain things, or when we don't accept certain things about ourselves, we bury them, right? We try to get rid of them. We try to knock that devil off of our shoulders. And when those voices come back to us, when we hear that, that devil voice, you know, we either push them down further or we project them outside of us and they come through as things that we dislike about other people you know so maybe you see someone on on social media you know an influencer some kind of a personality just luxuriating in this really expensive hotel or resort somewhere just every day of the year just having a good time and you get upset at them because you're like look at these lazy people doing nothing right but maybe secretly it's because we wish we were them. <laughs> we're really jealous. We wish we could take that time off because our job is really busy, right? So we we push ourselves harder and we call them lazy because we've learned it's bad to be lazy, right? So that comes out of our shadow. We're projecting that on someone else. Or there's that classic uh, trope about the, the vehemently homophobic person, right? Um you know, protesting and, and yelling about gays and lesbians and, and things like that. And then later, they're found in a homosexual relationship, right? Because what they're so angry about and projecting onto other people and protesting against, they're actually angry about because they see it in themselves and they don't know what to do with it, right? And, and so they, they refuse to acknowledge that and so it comes out on other people. So we accept things, and then we deny other things. We accept the quote-unquote good things, and we deny the quote-unquote bad things. And I think it's important to use those air quotes when talking about good and bad things, because the things in the shadow, the things that we don't accept, aren't necessarily bad. Right? We evaluate and label things. We label our thoughts based on habits and conditions, on how we were raised. And over time, uh, we learn to amplify certain impulses and hide others, the, the others that maybe are less acceptable. Um, but suppression or denial of those parts of ourselves casts them into the shadow. So they don't go away, they just move. And there's a great example of what this process kind of, how this process kind of plays out um, that was given by Robert Bly, an American poet um, who passed away, I think, just last November. Um, but he has kind of an interesting take on, on the emergence of the shadow in our lives. Uh, so he says, you know, when we're, when we're kids, when we're young, we have sort of a 360-degree personality. Kids say or do anything, right? Anything that comes to mind, they just say or they do, right? Just, uh, and he, he's, he referred to kids as sort of like a ball of energy and personality. And then one day we start to notice that our parents don't like certain parts of that ball. You know, why can't you be still? 
why can't you be quiet? Right? And so we start to take some of those impulses and we stuff them in a bag. We carry that bag around behind us. And because we want to make our parents happy, you know, we put the parts of us that our parents don't seem to like or that make our parents upset, we put them in the bag. And then teachers will, will have their say. You know, good children don't get angry over little things. So we take our anger and we put that in the bag, right? And then we go to school and, and in high school, we're looking at the, the people who are our age and we're, we're sticking in the bag all the things that were pressured, you know, to, to, to not show, right? And, and Robert called out that he lied constantly in high school to try to be more like the popular basketball players, right? So the shadow, he says, represents all that is instinctive in us. And the part that's left looks respectable, right? So we create this image that we want others to see by suppressing all the things that we feel very instinctively, but we feel we should not let come out. And we stick them in the bag. And that bag is our shadow. And this creates in us a notion of what's okay and what's not okay. And we learn to call the impulse to do the not okay things temptation, right? And in some traditions, the, the temptation, the tempter, we give a, a personality. We call the devil, right? Um, in Buddhism, if you're familiar with the story of the Buddha, you'll remember that the Buddha was tempted too. Uh, while he was sitting in meditation beneath the Bodhi tree, Mara, um, who's sort of a, a devil-like, demonic, destructive feature or creature um, or figure, tempted him. Because he didn't want the Buddha to attain enlightenment, right? So, and there's there's different stories about the way that the Buddha was tempted, but ultimately, the Buddha recognized Mara as himself, as a part of his humanity, as a part of his conditioning. And when he did that, he was able to awaken to the oneness of reality. And when we recognize that voice that's tempting us, right, we feel that temptation or we feel that impulse to things that are very instinctive that we've hidden away because we, we don't expect them to be, um, you know, approved by other people. <clears throat> if we recognize that voice as our own voice, we can change our attitude towards it. We don't have to get angry or upset at that voice, but we can meet it with compassion and patience, give ourselves time, understanding. So the next time we hear that voice, oh, you can do that tomorrow, you know, or why don't you go ahead and do that thing? I can say, well, this is me. What is this telling me? And and so I said, you know, there was sort of a, an inner dialogue that was happening while I was doing the dishes that inspired me to give this talk because what I realized was once I recognized, oh, that voice that's telling me, like, I can do those chores later, you know, just take the, take the afternoon off, just relax, you know. And not that that's a bad thing, right? There's a part of me, clearly, that was like, eh, you don't need to do this right now. You don't need to take care of those chores. I can get frustrated at that voice and say, ah, that's just it's the devil trying to make me lazy. Or I can say, you know what, that's me. 
And when I recognize that voice as my own, as opposed to some other thing, you know, suddenly I felt very different about that voice, right? <clears throat> you know, a lessening of tension, a lessening of worry. You know, it's like in the, uh, like in that scary story or horror movies where the call is coming from inside the house, right? So I hear that voice. I hear those temptations to, you know, stop doing this, go do this. And instead of needing to look for an intruder in the attic, I can look down at my hand and be like, oh, I'm holding the receiver, right? This is me. This is my own voice. I don't need to go out there looking for some kind of a devil. Get rid of it. I want to avoid, I want to, I want to eliminate any of those kinds of temptations. I can do the work where I'm at because that voice is mine, right? And because the shadow is a part of us, we can learn a lot about ourselves by paying attention. And it's really worth investigating because when we suppress those things, when we deny and say, ah, that's not me, right? One, what is it then if it's not you, <laughs> right? What else is in your head if it's not you? But if you suppress those impulses and those, those voices, and I'm not saying do everything that comes to mind, right? That's, that's clearly not the lesson either um, because there are reasons why we, we don't do everything that comes into our head, right? But just suppressing them does not make them go away. Suppressing them oftentimes makes them stronger, right? Or they find other ways to be heard. He said, so the person who has not reconciled with the part of them that doesn't want to have to work all the time and just compensates for that by shoving that voice down, now they get angry at people who they see who are taking time to relax and maybe they overwork themselves, right? So it's not to say that you need to give in to that impulse to be lazy, but don't suppress it because suppressing is dangerous. Acknowledge it. Accept that it's there. Because once you accept it, now you can do something with it. You can say, okay, where's that coming from? Why, why am I maybe telling myself this? Maybe I am stressed out and overworked. Maybe my, maybe my mind is telling me to relax a little bit. And I don't have to do it 100% relaxation or 100% work. Maybe I just need to find a better balance there. Purely suppressing those and saying, like, shut up, go away. They just find another way to be heard. It's just like trying to plug cracks, you know, on a leaking tub doesn't make the water suddenly dry up. It just makes the water look somewhere else, right? Oftentimes with more pressure. And again, acknowledging is, you know, this, this isn't to say that acknowledging what's in our shadow, things that we've suppressed, especially, you know, where a lot of that suppression happens when we're younger. Now that we're older, boy, there's a lot in there. And it create a lot of problems for us. And I'm not saying that acknowledging and accepting those things is easy. Absolutely, it's not. And in our transpersonal model, the reason that the shadow is so close to the true self means that it's going to be pretty tricky to do. You're so close, right? That shadow self is right next to the true self. 
but recognizing that it's there not shoving it aside and saying you know get behind me devil that's the first step that's where the work begins because as we are are working on ourselves and practicing nothing can be off limits including you know our devils right so don't feel like you need to run from those devils reach out your hand so to speak um, those impulses they can be scary they come from our own minds right but because they come from our minds we can change it we can change what's in here the things that we acknowledge and the things that we haven't yet acknowledged we have control over this not absolute control sometimes you know it's always going to be tricky that's part of being human but if it's in our mind we can change it and we can set it free and if we if our minds are free then we can be set free which is why we practice so I hope that was helpful <laughs>